A fallen hero gets special recognition along a northwest Louisiana interchange. Today, DOTD named the I-20 and Highway 371 the Sergeant Joshua Barrett Madden interchange. Sergeant Madden was killed in action in December of 2006. He was the first Menden soldier killed in Operation Iraqi Freedom. State Senator Robert Adley says the sign memorializes Josh's commitment to his country and ensures that we will never forget his sacrifice. His family says today's commemoration is just the beginning. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. We didn't know they were going to start with our son. Uh, we're very proud of that. But we want every family in Louisiana who has lost someone to be able to stand here as we do today. Wow, what a great thing. Madden's father says his son joined the military to make a difference. Madden was one of five task force lightning soldiers who conducted combat operations in Iraq. All of his unit died after a roadside bomb. The memorial was initiated by House Bill 324, passed earlier this year. This would be the 20-year high school reunion of Sergeant Joshua Barrett Madden, born on May 24th, 1985, in Minden, Louisiana. Actually just celebrated uh, his 38th earthly birthday. Josh grew up in Sibley, Louisiana and graduated a year after me from Minden High School in 2003. He received the Drama Award and the Who's Who among American high school students as well as the American Legion Award. He founded the Honor Guard at Minden High School, which still serves today as the color guard for specific and special programs. He was a member of the Minden High School Crimson Chorus, of which his mother, Miss Cindy, directed and taught. Um, he performed on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial as part of the 225th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. He would bring his dress uniform home when he was on leave, and he would present the flag at memorial programs in his home church and community of Spring Hill Baptist and even Ringgold, Louisiana. He joined the Civil Air Patrol in Barksdale Air Force Base in Bossier City, Louisiana, just down the road from where my wife graduated high school at Parkway. He said he just wanted to help people because he knew that they would be involved in search and rescue opportunities, and he traveled to Arkansas and South Louisiana on several occasions to help with this group. He went through ground school in Shreveport and flew his first and last flight. He married Danny in 2005. And Josh was greatly affected by the events of 9-11-2001. He sat in his first hour classroom of Minden High School as a junior as I sat down the hallway of my English classroom and we watched on a box television, the events of 9-11 unfold before our very eyes. This inspired him on that day. Pastor Lydia and I both went to high school with him, and he was so moved by the events of 9-11 that directly after graduation, Josh entered into the United States Army. By 2004, Josh was in Iraq. By 2005, he was married and by 2006, he passed into eternity, serving his country, which according to his father, he gave his life doing what he loved. 
I'm not telling you this story today so that you can be sad or feel guilty. I tell you this as I've been saving it for the last few years because I want to continue and to pass on a deep sense of gratitude for those who have gone before us. I said this last week that gratitude should be our response to God's generosity. The natural response to God's generosity should be gratitude. And, and gratitude should be more than some, something more than just stated. It should be something that is shown. And so just this weekend when I drove up to Minden and I, I passed the Minden Sibley exit, Raised in Sibley, born in Minden, graduated from Minden High School. You can see a sign. I took a picture of it with my phone. You saw it in the video. As I passed with my almost 11-year-old in the passenger seat, I pointed out the sign. And I said, I went to high school with the sergeant on that sign. And I didn't leave a great impression on him, but he has left an eternal impression on me. I believe that gratitude should be our response to the generosity of those who have given their lives so we can sit in this room and fall asleep. I believe that gratitude should be the response to those who have given their lives so we can choose whether we want to or whether we're too tired to attend services on Sunday, whether we've prioritized what God has for our lives or not. Again, I, I just, this morning I'm inspired by this young man that I went to high school with. I wish I could go back and leave a better impression on him. But when I drive past Victory Park in Minden, Louisiana, and I look over in the front yard of Mr. Jerry and Miss Cindy, and I see Josh's memorial, I can't help but thank God. Help me to leave a proper legacy. I want to talk to you today about living a life that outlives you. And I don't care whether you're 11 or 90. You leave a legacy everywhere that you go. Your attitude leaves a legacy. Your gratitude leaves a legacy. We have just launched from a series called There Is More. And by the way, we didn't finish the series. We're actually just now in it. We are walking in the there is more that many of you pledged to and many of you gave to and many of you are prayerfully continuing to walk in with us. Leaving a legacy, as referenced last week, leaving a legacy is about what you're planting right now. See, when I, when I say the word legacy, it, it almost lets all the 12 to 20-year-olds off the hook. Because they think, well, I have plenty of time to leave a legacy. But you're leaving a legacy on your campus right now. You're leaving a legacy at your, you left a legacy at your middle school, junior high, and high school last semester. Your legacy follows you every day of your life. And the question is not whether you're leaving a legacy, but what kind of legacy are you leaving? One of our guys brought it up in, the, in our coffee group last week as we did conclude our groups after 16 weeks of meeting together 
in discipleship circles and they said, well, Pastor, I, you know, I, I don't know what everybody else got, but I, I went home and I asked, and I didn't ask permission to share his name, so I won't do that, but I, I just, I started thinking, what am I growing? And I'm asking my family and my wife, is that not what you got from the message today? What are we growing? Well, you're growing whatever you're planting. That's what you're growing. And I think that today we have this opportunity on Memorial Day weekend and uh, also my, my wife's 29th birthday. Not really, it's her 39th birthday, but don't tell her I told you that. Unless she's watching, love you. She's actually at home with our youngest who was running a little bit of a fever last night. But when I'm talking about leaving a legacy, I'm not just talking about uh, with our finances. Although certainly it's not, it doesn't negate our finances. Come on, we don't just give in an offering. You hear me say this? We are the offering. We don't just receive the sacraments. We are the sacraments. We become the people of God. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 12 last week. I skipped over this scripture so I could bring it back. Verse 24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Well, man, I hope so. You're stinking Jesus. Like, wow. I mean, if Jesus lies to me, I'm in trouble, right? Why does he say this? For the same reason I stand up here and give like everything I've got three times a week, every week. And unless I'm traveling somewhere else and have an opportunity to speak. I think that Jesus is so desperate for people to sit up and listen. And not just be hearers, but doers of his word. I think that Jesus was speaking to a bunch of religious people that assumed they had everything in order, but when they really dug into their hearts and into their lives, they were really not much different from anybody else. So Jesus said, hey, listen, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But... Its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Memorial Day is the day that we honor those who gave their lives for our freedom because freedom has never been and will never be free. Somebody purchased freedom. Jesus purchased your spiritual freedom. Our soldiers and officers and first responders, they purchase your physical freedom. It has been paid for, and it's not enough to just say, oh, I appreciate it. We have to allow what they have given to get in our hearts and change our habits. It's not enough to just say we remember. We need to show that we actually honor. Honor is not an idea. It's like faith. It's an action. So we dot our finances, of course, because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And if you don't believe me, then just look around at America. Look at Budweiser and Ford and look into the things that everybody's producing. They're trying to entertain for their investors. It's all for the love of money. It's not about agendas and policies. It's about dollars and investors. That's all that matters to people that aren't in Christ. The problem is it doesn't stay with people who are just in Christ. It's gotten in the rest of us, and we need to learn how to 
die to our own desires and die to mammon and die to the temporary and the selfish. The sacrifice of the Son of God, it should inspire gratitude. That's our response to his generosity. That's our response to the generosity of those who have given their lives. Gratitude, I know it's a little cliche, but you gotta hone in with me. I'm gonna preach myself hurt in this service this morning because I already did it once and I gotta do it two more times. Gratitude should, this, their, their generosity should inspire within us gratitude. And it's not just a, oh, thank you. All right, let's get to, no, no, no. This is something that gets into our hearts and it actually begins to produce a new attitude that is, that is exonerated and actually ultimately revealed in our actions. It's not enough to say that you have a good, well, I have a good attitude. Oh yeah, well, remind your voice and, and teach your face. It's not enough to just say thank you. We have to express it. Today's my wife's birthday. You know what I don't get to do? I don't just get to wake up and say, happy birthday. You're my favorite person in the world. I have to show her happy birthday. She's my favorite person in the world. If I don't, then what I say, come on, does not match up with what I show. And it's not really gratitude when it doesn't affect your, and if you, oh, come on, I got to, if you don't have the right attitude, then what you need to start doing is confessing the right gratitude. Because when you confess the gratitude, the attitude will follow, and ultimately, the attitude will produce the right action, and you'll get actual credit for being who you say you believe you are. Legacy. It's about the life that you're actually living. Isn't it interesting how gracious we are with ourselves and how judgmental we are with everybody else? I'm preaching something different in every service today. This must be for second service right now. Isn't it interesting that we love to give our, ourselves grace for what we intended to do, but we judge other people on what they actually do? We judge our intent. Well, I didn't mean to. Don't matter if you meant to. Mean not to. Come on. <laughs> Ever told that to a child? You, that's free. You can use that. Well, I didn't mean to. Well, Pastor Chris said, yeah, you go ahead and tell him. Mean not to. It doesn't matter if you meant to. We're not judged according to intent. Come on. We're judged according to action. That's what's wrong with I ain't got time to preach about what's wrong with the church today. I got to get back. Verse 25. Those who love their life will lose it. But those who care nothing for their lives will keep it for eternity. Here's what you need to understand. Those kids are excited. Boy, I wish that's, if that same joy came in with parents and grandparents, well, we'd have a church. We'd be celebrating Pentecostal Sunday like the Kenyans did eight hours ago. I'm telling you. Our speaker next weekend is in Kenya this, this Sunday. Just celebrated Pentecost Sunday with a bunch of Kenyans. He's going to come and share with us. Don't miss next Sunday. You're going to want to be here. Uh, anyways, uh, what was I saying about losing your life for eternity? When, when, here's what you need. When Jesus wanted to reap a harvest, what did he sow? See, when Jesus wanted to produce a harvest, 
He planted himself. And if you understood the power of planting and who it was that died, that's why he says a kernel of wheat cannot produce unless it falls to the ground and dies. He's referencing himself. And out of its death comes a resurrection where many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And if we really want to honor Jesus and we really want to honor the men and the women who have given their lives as soldiers, as law enforcement officers, and as first responders, then what we really need to do is something different than what we have been doing. Those are powerful amens. I'm just going to keep preaching because y'all are so excited to hear it today. Number one, I believe that Memorial Day and the sacrifice of our Savior should cause us to desire to plant. What should we plant? Well, number one, we plant through prayer. The reason that you encounter the presence of God in the first two songs of every Sunday is because there's been a group of people in here since 6.30 that morning walking the aisles and around the parking lot and building, planting in prayer for the encounter that you are about to experience. There is still power in the bended knee. Come on, we have got to get back to it. This is where I about hurt myself. And if somebody's falling asleep, I'm telling you right now, I will walk over and preach to your face, right? Because we got to get back to a place where we don't talk about Pentecost. We become Pentecostal. And I don't mean as a doctrine. I mean as an encounter that empowers a bunch of people to be an example. I, if you speak in tongues and you're evil in English, then don't come talking to me. If you speak in tongues, it should be because you are filled with the power. And we need to get back to a place where... Where we're more interested in bending our knee to produce on behalf of the kingdom of God than we are to protest about things on earth. And hold on, before you start clapping at somebody, if the church was praying as loud as they were protesting, then we would actually get something done on behalf of the kingdom. What happened to the people who had calluses on their knees? They spent so much time at the side of their bed. What happened to the old lifted houses with wooden floors? that had indentions in the wood wherever the saints of old would get on their knees and pray in the midst of the protest. What happened to all the Christians who actually contributed, who would give anything and go anywhere as long as they know that they heard from God to go and to give? Well, you don't have to know that you heard because he already said it. All you got to do is obey what he's already spoken. We need to get back to a place where we actually spend the time appreciating the opportunity that we have to bow down before God and pray. And just while I'm on it, you ain't got to go to any, I just went North Louisiana redneck on y'all. You ain't got to go to nobody else but Jesus to pray to Jesus. You don't have to come to me to get to Jesus. You ain't got to go to anybody else in here to get to Jesus. Only thing we can do is agree with you in prayer for things that you're actually practice. I'll preach that in a minute. We got to get back to a place. Come on, y'all got to help me this morning or I'm going to hurt myself again. We got to get back to a place where we actually take advantage of the opportunity that people have died for, for us to
to freely practice Christianity, to become an authentic follower of Jesus, not to talk about praying, not to intend to pray, but to actually, in an attitude of gratitude, get our behinds in a prayer place and call out to God. Because the last time I checked, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears for heaven, and the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much as it is working. Come on, church, you got to get back to work. If you believe that somebody shed blood so that you can have access to the throne room, if you believe that you still live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, come on, students, stop taking advantage of the fact that you live in a free country because God might stick you in Iraq or Iran or the continent of India and Asia and show you what it looks like to be an actual martyr for something significant. We've got to take advantage of the opportunity that we have been given to bow before God and plant in prayer. It's not enough to say that we honor. We've got to show that we honor. Today, we pray because we're free to do so. Did you know that more people have been martyred for Christianity in the last five years than in the history of the last 2,000 years of this faith movement? It will be peace on earth. But currently, it's still give your life for the sake of the gospel. Today we pray because freedom isn't free. Today we woke up and got our lazy overworking tails out of bed and came to service. Or maybe we're still there. I'm sorry. I love you. If you can't be here and that's the only way that you could come to church because you're out of town, then so be it. But I don't think that God allowed the internet to be created so that we could stay at home and call ourselves. Oh, come on. I got to get help today. I, I believe. And also, just because you show up doesn't mean that you check your name because you don't just come to church. You are the church. You can't just show up. You got to wake up. Come on. You got to wake up tomorrow morning and actually be what you heard somebody preach yesterday. And I, of all people, have to be extremely careful lest I preach this gospel and disqualify myself. When we plant ourselves in prayer, we produce a harvest. It, it has to, because God said it would. When we plant ourselves, and when Jesus planted himself in prayer, it turned into a few billion people. Come on, y'all got to catch this. When, when Jesus Christ planted himself in prayer, it turned into a few billion people confessing Jesus as Lord. When we plant ourselves in prayer, it produces a harvest in this generation. I'm going to go ahead and give it all I got one more time because I'm telling you the truth today. When you plant yourself in prayer, prodigals have to come home. Somebody just got filled with the Spirit right there. When you plant yourself in prayer, bondages have to be broken. When you plant yourself in prayer, healing has to come. When you plant yourself in prayer, addictions have to be set free. When you plant yourself in prayer, it is effectual and it's fervent and it's working as we ask. 
We are sowing seeds of prayer. Many of you pledge and you're giving over and above tithes and offering. Many of you tithe and you offer and that's amazing. And I believe that that's a great measure. In fact, it's probably the most tangible measure of where our heart actually is as a church and as a people of God. But you don't just give financially. You give your life. Galatians chapter six, verse eight says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay. Man, I'm really glad the Bible didn't end right there because that's kind of, that's just a, a, a little discouraging. They will harvest decay and death. Many versions say, he who sows unto the flesh. Hear me, when you sow into your greed, you harvest decay. When you sow into your envy, you harvest decay. When you spend all your time comparing yourselves on social media and you're more interested in your followers on social media than you are in followers of Jesus all around you, you are sowing inappropriately and you're investing inappropriately. And when you sow into the flesh, I'm not saying that those things are evil. I'm saying they're distractions if they're not properly prioritized. You sow into the flesh and when you sow into the selfish and the sinful, the envy, the greed, and the lust, because God said through his apostle John that you can sow into the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, or you can sow to please the Spirit. And when you sow to please the Spirit, I know it's not easy to hear, but gratitude has got to affect attitude. And attitude has got to affect action. Jesus saved you and he set you free. Yes. So that means that you don't return to the things that he saved you from. But you actually, come on, the same grace that set you free can keep you free. Can I get some help today? It's not an either or kind of conversation. It's a both and. He's a both and kind of God. And he's not finished working on you. So those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. What a great message on Pentecost Sunday. I still believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit according to Acts chapter 2, 4, 8, 9, 10, and 19. Nothing has changed since that day, no matter how misinterpreted the 27 books of the New Testament may be. And I believe that in order to please the Spirit, you're going to need to be filled with the Spirit. Can I get some help today? It doesn't make me better than you. It doesn't save me. Jesus saved me. But then he went back into the kingdom. He said, I've got to go so that the Comforter can come. And on the 50th day after Passover, the Bible says that 120 people who actually did what God told them to do. See, you don't get what God has when you don't do what God said. I can't get no help today. i got to keep going. But 120 people were doing what God 
God said. And the Bible says that the Spirit came into the room like a mighty rushing wind and landed on every person in tongues of fire. And some interpreted and some thought they were drunk. What's the difference between the ones that interpreted and the ones that thought they were drunk? The person that was actually seeking the presence of God. Because you draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You seek the presence of the Lord with all of your heart and you will find him. It is a biblical promise. Well, I hadn't received and I don't believe in that speaking in tongues stuff. Fine. Don't do it. And live two-thirds of the gospel message. Live two-thirds of the Trinity. But when you go all in with Jesus, you got to go all in with the Spirit because he said one likened unto myself is coming down to walk alongside of you. And if you will sow into the Spirit, then you will reap eternal life. If you will walk according to the Spirit, you will not gratify the desire. I'm over here. I don't know what y'all looking at, but I'm on this side. I said, when you walk according to the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And you're not going to keep sowing into the sinful and reaping a harvest of decay and death. You're going to sow into the Spirit. You're going to learn how to plant in prayer, and you will produce a harvest of eternal life. And if you don't believe me, then just look around and compare it to what used to be. Because prodigals have come home, people have been delivered, bondages have been set free, and healing has begun to happen. I anointed my, my son had fever at midnight last night. I said, oh, no, we're not doing this right now. No, sir. He fell asleep on the couch. I got a bottle of oil. It's not because the oil is special. It's just because I want to remind myself that this is the Holy Spirit not touching him, not just me. I laid hands on my son. He's kind of asleep, kind of awake. I rebuke that fever. I boost this immune system. And then I got to preach this. Um, this and in the notes. I don't have time, but I'm going to do it anyways. Some of you think that the only way that you actually use the name of God in vain is when you holler out God. Or you, that's what, when I say don't use the Lord's name in vain, you think, well, don't, don't swear and use God's name. Or don't holler God and then on the backside damn something. That's not the only way that you, and some of y'all, I've heard followers of Jesus, and this blows my mind. They'll holler, Jesus Christ! My Lord God, he said it, not me. Don't I'm getting over here. I don't want none of that. Now, I'm not saying you can't call out to Jesus when something happens. I know a story of a lady topped a hill and saw a wreck and started hollering, Jesus, 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 and God moved the cars out of the way, and they drove right through the thing. I call upon God at all times, but don't use the Lord's name in vain, right? We all agree. Thou shalt not, you should not use the Lord's name in vain, correct? Okay. I was talking to my children the other day. One of them said, I'm so dumb, and I was like, oh, hold up, time out. We don't confess that. We don't use the Lord's name in vain. My child said, well, I didn't say, I didn't say the Lord's name in vain. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you did. Because when Moses was speaking to God through the burning bush that was not consumed by the fire, he asked the bush, which was God, he said, who do I tell Pharaoh that you are? Who do I say sent me? And the bush, what did the bush say back? What did the voice of God say back out of the bush? He said, tell him, I am that I am. So I am not dumb. Come on, son. You're not going to use the Lord's name in vain this way. I am a child of God. 
I am a person of integrity and character. I am above and not beneath. I am the anointed of God Almighty. I am not sick. I am healed in the name of Jesus. I am free in the name of Jesus. I am born again. They are not a prodigal. They just ain't quite home yet. I am calling and confessing that I am is about to enter. Can I, can I get some? If you need I am to intervene this morning, then you need to start confessing that he is over everything that you've been praying for him to be. And don't just whine and complain. It's okay to cry out and ask God, but you need to remember at the end of the day something I said a minute ago and only about tw 20 people recognized and heard that when the righteous call out to God, what makes us righteous? Oh, he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And when you're in Christ, you become the righteousness of God. He puts the robe over you. And when you call out to God, it's like incense into the throne room. You ain't got to ask anybody else. You can just ask Jesus. And whenever you pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it has already been done. The apostle Peter didn't say, you are healed. He said, you were healed by his stripes. So stop confessing the evil and using the Lord's name in vain and begin to pray the way that Jesus died and soldiers have given their lives for you to be able to pray. I'll say this and I'll move to the second point because, yeah, I need to move to the second point. <laughs> Our general superintendent of the assemblies of God, I just had the privilege to happen to be able to hear him, hear him say this personally. He said the Lord gave him a word on a treadmill. I said, I didn't know God could speak on a treadmill. If you ever see me running in public, pull over. Something's wrong. If you ever see me running in place, not going anywhere, look behind me. Somebody is holding me at gunpoint on that thing. He's running on it. It's taking care of his body. It's, yeah, but, and he heard the Lord speak. He said this. I told you this earlier in the year. Oh, please don't let it be done just because we're going into the summer. Do not stop offering unanswered prayers. Don't stop offering unanswered prayers. You keep praying and he'll keep working. You work like it depends on you and you pray like it depends on him because we plant through prayer. Number two, and this is my only other point today. You're welcome. We plant through priorities. If you're hot, I'm sorry, I'm sweating. I mean cold. If you're hot, I'm sorry too. They want to go get that checked out if you're not preaching. <laughs> we plant through priorities. Gandhi said this. He's quoted to have said this. He said, you know, I love your Christ. I just don't like your Christians. Because your Christians look nothing like your Christ. Did you know that before Gandhi entered into Eastern transcendentalism and all this meditation and mysticism, he actually walked into a Christian church but wasn't accepted because he was brown? How'd you like to be those people on Judgment Day? I won't pastor that church. And if you feel that way, hear it from my mouth right now. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's about to speak. You can leave and never come back. 
If you want to judge somebody because of the melatonin or the color of their skin, please come tell me after service so that I can make sure you're not welcome next week. That's not the church I'm going to pastor because that's not the kind of kingdom that Jesus Christ bled red blood for. We plant through priorities. Come on, I, Pastor, will you pray for me? No. I prayed for you last week. Yes, if you want me to pray, I will pray for you again. I really will, because I'll get over myself. But what I really want to say is, how about you just practice what we prayed last week? Come on, church. Unless you can't because you are physically disabled, it is not enough to just pray. Prayer is powerful. I just spent way too long telling you how powerful it was. But at some point, you've got to turn your prayers into practice. We've got to practice what we pray and what we preach. No wonder so many people are rebelling against an uninfluential so-called Christian church in the United States of America. We're not having spirit-filled gatherings. If we were having spirit-filled gatherings, then we would have spirit-empowered communities. Had people when I first got here, why don't we do this on Sunday? Why don't we do this on service? I said, why you keep fussing at me for not doing on Sunday what you don't do any other day of the week? <laughs> it took me seven years to be able to say that out loud. <laughs> you stuck with me now. You knew it was coming. <laughs> you know, I have the gift of tongues. Then do it in Walmart. How come we got to be gathered in a safe place for you to use the spiritual? Oh, my God. Last time I read my Bible, the tongues was assigned to the unbeliever, not the super spiritual in the safe place. Come on, somebody. If you got the gift of prophecy, then start prophesying over people in restaurants. If you got the gift of discernment, then stand up and say something in front of a crowd full of people that might attack you. If you got the gift of miracles, then start laying down hands in aisles that weren't comfortable for you to lay hands on if you got the gift of healing come on somebody then you start prophesying over people that's not in an altar that needs to be altered go to second street with your spiritual gift you can strengthen them in this sanctuary but you use them in society that's pentecost sunday for you i'm sick of having emotional services that don't translate into empowered living we'll do both we'll find a place for you we plant through priorities. It's not enough to just pray. You got to practice what you're praying. And then watch this. You got to prioritize what you're practicing. A few weeks back, Megan and I were arguing. I probably shouldn't confess that on her birthday. We're doing a marriage conference in a couple of weeks somewhere. I don't know where. Um, I just do what I'm told, which is, by the way, healthy marriage advice. Did you know it wasn't just enough? for me to wake up this morning and go, happy birthday, baby, you're my favorite person in the world. That's not enough. She's sweet, but she ain't that sweet. I can't just say it. I gotta show it. And if I don't, well, y'all might not see me next week. Last year might've been my last birthday. It's not enough. You got to practice it. You can't just intend. Anyways, Megan and I are fighting. No, we're not fighting. We're having intense fellowship. 
It's a Christian way of talking how two people disagree. Um, I mean, there's clothes everywhere. Most of them are mine. It says predominantly. That's on me. We'll talk about that later. Um, shoes everywhere. Now, I have shoes in a lot of places, but she puts her shoes in one specific place at the end of my side of the bed. And in front of my side, we have shared a sink for the last 14 years. We finally each have a sink. Guess where her shoes are? Not under her side. Under my side. Positioned specifically for me to trip over them in the dark whenever I wake up to use the restroom. So that she, alongside of the Holy Spirit, can hone my heart and see if what's in my heart still comes out of my mouth. I hadn't cussed out loud in a minute. Out loud. Well, if you felt <laughs> if you felt it in your heart, you may as well have said it. No, stupid, that's two sins, okay? That's not how that works. <laughs> Anyways, a lot going on. There is more children all over the place, good activities and things, and, and I was like, <laughs> I stopped. And thank God. I, don't, I guess divine intervention. I was like, whoa, hang on. I'm not even mad at you. We are stressed out about a bunch of dumb things that have nothing to do with eternity. And, and we're taking it out on one another. There is a strain on our relationship right now because we got too much junk. We got too much. If we lived in Kenya, we wouldn't be having this fight right now. We'd be fighting about something else. What am I going to do with that? Why don't you put this stuff up? Because I don't know where to put it. And then all of a sudden, you're fighting with somebody you care about over stuff. And then I thought, that's ingenious. Satan is brilliant. He realized, and he's been teaching his little demonic minions, that in America, all you have to do is make them too busy to pay attention to the things that really matter. And if you can make them too busy, oh, I can't get no help now. It went quiet for a second. If you can make them too busy, they'll care more about athletics and academics than they will anointing. They'll spend more money on cable than they will give to the, I can't get this, got this. I'm just telling you, he knows and he is preaching to all of hell. All you got to do is make them too busy. And if you will make them too busy, then you can cause them to get divorced and think they were mad at one another. If you can make them too busy, then you can cause children to resent parents who think that they can purchase their kids' love by working 80 hours a week and not being home. If you make them too busy, you can make employees mad at one another about things that they can't control, and you can turn entrepreneurs into dead people with no dreams. If you'll just make them too busy, then you can cause a child of God to doubt their identity identity all you got to do just make them too busy just distract them with busyness we got to reprioritize we're off always be on guard against busy God didn't create you to be busy he created you to be productive the Bible says be fruitful and multiply. 
Jesus said it this way, go and make disciples. See, we get so busy with all this temporary junk. I messaged Miss Cindy before I took the opportunity to preach this message and use Josh's story. Sent me a message back. Y'all hang in here with me. I, I want to be done too. She sent me a message back. Paraphrasing. Absolutely, Chris. Please use Josh's story. Thank you. Then she said this. People need to connect with our killed in action so they realize they're not just a name on a monument. but somebody's son. Somebody's daughter. Somebody's husband. Somebody's wife. It's not just names on a piece etched into stone. It's an individual that died so you could decide whether you had enough time to gather in the name of Jesus or not. It's somebody that died so that you could freely proclaim the name of Jesus in this land. It's somebody that shed their blood to protect the church from the state. It's somebody, where are the spirit-empowered believers who would be persecuted for the name of Jesus instead of just spiritual sissies that leave every time it gets hard? That's Pentecost. Oh, that we would connect with the names on that monument and hear the voices of the martyrs crying out from heaven, leave a legacy worth living. It's more than a word for a 30 or 50 or 80 year old with children. Legacy is what you're doing with your life. People have given their lives. Jesus Nobody takes it from me. I lay it down. I need to prioritize my stuff. Don't let stuff get in the way. Many people spend all of their time and energy trying to gain temporary stuff. Think of how many hours you invest in stuff the Bible says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Stuff, houses and toys. There's nothing wrong with having nice things unless it's the root of your identity. I need to prioritize my stuff. Number two, I need to prioritize my life. Like my actions, my habits. You determine your habits, but your habits determine your future. I need to prioritize. Don't just hear another message, yawn, walk out, and not do anything different. Prioritize. Look at your life. Pastor Dylan told me on Thursday of a story uh, that Sierra had told him, a young man in, in West Monroe, Louisiana, just right up the road, 20 years old, newly married, 20 years old, Driving to work at 6 a.m. There's hope for this generation. We have 20-year-olds going to work at 6 a.m. Come on, somebody. 
That make me Pentecostal right there. Driving to work at 6 a.m., a tree fell, flipped his truck, killed him. You are not promised tomorrow. You cannot live as if you have the rest of your life. We live today as if we have today, this moment. Listen, I, take, I, I love, take care of your body. God laid this scripture on my heart. First Timothy chapter four, verse eight. Physical training is good. It's good. It's good to work hard for a living. You should. God set the example, work six, rest one. Not go to school for four. Oh, I stepped on something right there. I can't. I'm sorry if that offends you. I'm just, that maybe that was a personal soapbox that was interpreted incorrectly from scripture. Physical training is good. I go to the gym four to five days a week. My daddy had a massive heart attack at 46 years old. I'm like seven years and 11 days because Megan's older than me. Uh, Seven years and 11 days from 46 years old. Now, I'm not passing away at 46 in Jesus. If I do, it's not going to be because I'm not taking care of myself. So I go to the gym. Almost well. I wish I could go to the gym every day. You come talk to me. I got nine Assembly of God churches open right now. They need a pastor. I will send you to that church. Come see me after service. I'm the presbyter of the Lafayette area. I will find you a church. You can set your own schedule just like I do. I'll bless you right after this service. Churches need pastors. Just come see me. Take care of your body. Hey, don't overeat and under-exercise. Well, that didn't go over well. I feel like I'm supposed to do this again. I rebuke the addiction to vaping, smoking, dipping, over-caffeinating, overeating. I rebuke unhealthy addictions that are crystallizing your lungs, putting tar in your system, binding you up on each end, and causing you to live fewer years than God created you to live. Right now, from every generation, 12 to 102, I rebuke not taking care of this temple, for we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that you were bought with a price and you are not your own? You don't get to look at whatever you want to look at. You don't get to listen to whatever you want to listen to. You don't get to eat and do whatever you want to eat and do. You are God's own possession. Treat your body like the temple that it is in the name of Jesus. I rebuke all the stuck. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. In other words, don't work harder physically than you do spiritually and give yourself credit for being a hardworking man or woman. Finally, I need to prioritize people in my life. I'll do this one quickly. Don't wait until the next memorial to say what your heart really wants to say. I said, don't wait until the next funeral to say what you really should say today. And by the way, don't call anybody this afternoon and say, I just wanted to call you and say, I forgive you. You call me, I'll hang up on you. Pastor, I forgive you. <laughs> now you're going to have to forgive me again. Come on, somebody. 
No, 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 you call and say, hey, I feel like God laid it on my heart today in church to call and say, I'm sorry. Don't live your life with unfinished business. Don't live your life with unresolved conflict. Don't live your life wishing that you would have. Live your life being glad that you did. Don't live your life holding other people hostage to things that Jesus had to forgive you of. Tell people that you love them. I need to prioritize my stuff. I need to prioritize my life. I need to prioritize people in my life. Here's my final one. I need to prioritize my relationship with Jesus. Follow me, follow me, I'm moving, I'm moving. Um, Your relationship with Jesus is not seasonal. Statistically, you have more people attend services that's biblically gathered together in the name of Jesus in the fall and the spring, and there's a lull in the summer. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Some of you just made pledges beyond anything that you ever even considered giving before. Some of you just gave last week more than you've ever given before. You just planted a seed that you are about to see come to pass unless you stop prioritizing Jesus over this summer could be the most revelational encounter that you have ever had with your heavenly father. Go on vacation. Just don't forget that you're saved while you're there. Spend money on making memories with the people that you love. Just leave your tithe here. Now we laugh and we joke, but I don't want to go on vacation and spend God's tithe and call it making memories with my family. It's in every area of our lives. I need to prioritize my relationship with Jesus. In honor of Josh, See, so here's one thing I waited to tell you. Married in 2005, passed away in 2006. Today, Josh has a 17-year-old son named Jackson. Josh passed away three months after Jackson was born. So when I look at my children, when I look at spiritual children, when I pass that sign, and I know that I'm getting to live a life today that this guy has already lived. This morning I sat down and I challenged some of you this afternoon. We're getting homework, yeah, sorta. I challenge you to go home today and write down what legacy do I wanna leave? What is legacy? Here's, here's how you can define legacy. What do people think of when they hear your name? Angry, hateful, swearing. What do people think of when they hear my name? See, you say my name to a bunch of people in Minden, Louisiana, because you can't wait until you're in college and your 20s and 30s to leave a legacy because you might not grow up in your hometown. And I left a legacy at Minden High School and it's not the one that I wanted to leave. So this morning, on my wife's 29th birthday, if you believe that, I have some beachfront property to sell you up near Mamu and Lakeview if you'd like to. <laughs> There's the prettiest 39-year-old. 
You know the difference between her and me? I don't care. <laughs> You're the same age as me. Yeah, but I want to get old. I wrote down this morning on my wife's birthday, and I, I emailed it only to her. I will, I will read this as often as possible. I should have done this a long time ago. Miss Cindy, if you're watching in honor of your son, Sergeant Joshua Barrett Madden, in honor of Jackson, this morning I sat down on my wife's birthday and I wrote my legacy. Here's what I said. I want to be known as a child of God. I want to be known as a man of integrity. I don't want to be another pastor that had to stand before his church with his family on the front row and confess something stupid, sinful, and temporary. I want to be a husband of but one wife. I want to be an apostle to God's anointed. You're not an apostle. Didn't say I was. Said I want to be. I want to be an apostle to God's anointed. I want to be a pastor to God's people. I want my children to say this about me. My daddy loved Jesus. My daddy loved us. And my daddy loved my mama. I want to be a spiritual father that others can look to as an example of faithfulness and dedication. I want to lead people to actually live for Jesus. When I stand before my heavenly Father, I want to be wearing a robe of righteousness purchased by the blood of Jesus. And I want to hear my daddy say, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Whether it be with my finances or my physical ability or my time, well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in the little things. And now, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. I want to see Jesus. What do people think when they hear your name? What legacy do you want to leave? And what are you doing about it? We need to prioritize. We need to plant in prayer. And we need to live God's will for our lives.